This is a podcast from SCC English, the English department of St. Columbus College, Dublin in Ireland. Visit our blog www.sccenglish.ie for more information. Julian Gurnham from St. Columbus College in Dublin. And this week I'm talking to my colleague in the English department, Evan Jemison, about The Great Hunger, the Tom McIntyre play in which he featured in recent months in Dublin and around the country. This was, of course, adapted from the very well-known epic poem by Patrick Kavanagh, the first 90 or so lines of which are on the Leaving Cert course. It's a much longer poem than that. And we'll be talking about the nature of the play and the rehearsal process and uh, what it was like to take the play around the country. And just a little word about the title first before we start talking. Uh, the Great Hunger, which was uh, originally the Kavanagh poem in the early 1940s, of course echoes the question of the famine a hundred years before, but it talks about the hunger in Irish rural life in Kavanagh's time too. And Tom McIntyre's play was first produced in the early 1980s. So Evan, welcome to the SCC English podcast studio. And uh, can we start by talking about the audition process? Uh, you went f up for a part in this production from the Balali players. I did. And that was last August. So the play from process to performance has been, it's been taken, it's taken about nine months. I think about nine months. And at the audition, well, we had two auditions. One was just to, to see what our movement was like, because the play has is mostly a, a very physical affair and it relies on movement rather than words so it was very important to the, for the director to see that we were confident and that we were to an extent uninhibited about the way we move and how did he do that in the actual audition itself what how did you actually have to show your movement well we played various games which which were there to to see if we were good working as a team various kind of games where we link arms and link legs and crawl around the floor and what have you and then after that um, we were sent away into another room in pairs to work on pieces extracts from the play and then we'd come back in and, and play them interpret them in whatever way we wished but what was most important was that he saw the way we moved our bodies and and so forth I mean, it's an extraordinarily physical physically demanding play and as you say depends very much on teamwork uh, one of the things I noticed was that you were on stage for virtually the whole time of the play, and yet you actually didn't say much in the play compared to a normal part, as it were, but um, very physical. At one point, you were hanging upside down for a few minutes, so <laughs> you needed to be up for that. And then you got a part, uh, having gone forward for a part, and the part was? Was of Maguire, who is the, the lead, the, 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 the most important part in the play, I suppose. Um, he is a, a spiritually... Uh, hungry farmer as it were he's he's hungry for love hungry for affection and deeply lonely living with his mother and his sister on a very small farm in County Monaghan in the 1940s and there were very few lines to say that is that is correct and the few lines that we did have to say were kind of snatches of of lines from the poem and very often the dialogue that we used was was just a very was quite lyrical and not necessarily accessible to the audience. 
um, it was just really there to give us a sense of his desolation, his misery. So I think as a theatrical experience, it was very, very different as a result for the audience. They, they went to see a play. A lot of people thought it was about the famine um, when they saw the, the poster for The Great Hunger. And then they went in and they ended up watching a play with very little dialogue and the, what was spoken were just bits of poetry. Um, so totally different to a normal play which has a linear narrative. This is more like watching a poem being performed on a stage. Um, motifs reappearing again and again and um, certain images being repeated and so forth and patterns. And I think a lot of people found that difficult. Yes, the nature of the, the, the play, as you say, uh, one expects in a kind of story in a way, but in one sense the play, this is part of the idea, the poem goes nowhere because his life goes nowhere. It is just <clears throat> endlessly repetitive and endlessly empty, really. The the couple of quotations from the poem itself, life is broken-backed, and um, it says that his spirit is like a wet sack flapping about the knees of time, which is a pretty bleak image, all right. And um, can we move on to the rehearsal pro process now? So you, you are in the part of Patrick McGuire. And how long did the rehearsal process go on for? And how did exactly you prepare for the, the live performances? It went from the end of August until the end of November. And we rehearsed three times a week. Um, Monday evenings, Wednesday, Wednesday evenings, and Sunday afternoon to evening. And that was, I think that would make up about six or seven hours a week, I think. And in the rehearsals, like I said before, we spent a, a tremendous amount of time just managing ourselves and being managed by the director to stand in certain places. Um, well, he almost choreographed us, but we weren't allowed to have a, an actual choreogra a choreographer because we entered the festival circuit and you can have no one professional involved mm. in your production. Yes. So, as for what we did in our rehearsals, um, it was extremely repetitive, actually. It was uh, almost quite mechanical in the way we dealt with it. If you look at, this, at the script itself, I don't have it with me, but the script itself is very difficult. Um, hardly any dialogue, like I said, and lots and lots of quite obscure directions as to what to do. So we spent a lot of our time just trying to work out what are we supposed to be doing. What does this mean? When you say obscure um, directions, what kind of directions do you mean? These aren't, aren't kind of physically descriptions about where to stand. Yes, they are right? physical descriptions, um, such as Maguire um, crosses his fing the fingers of his hands um, and releases feelings with them, or some, something quite arcane like that. So that was a, a real challenge. And I suppose the great thing about it was you didn't actually have to learn that much dialogue. You know, I always think that the most difficult thing about about doing the acting is learning your lines. That's to me is the is the real pressure and reproduce them on the stage. Going through the motions of movement, it's much easier to remember movements than it is to remember words and combine them with movements, I think. Mm. So it was more straightforward because we just we spent so much time doing movement but having said that absolutely exhausting um, we were covered in sweat by the end of each performance yeah so I was going to say that so one one so we're all saying a difficult thing is to learn lines and speak them but the sheer energy that drama requires 
when you add to that the sheer physical you know exercise basically you have to do every night adds up to another kind of demand really isn't it and you can't it's all very well getting a line wrong but you may well get a movement badly wrong or you might just be you've got to keep up that energy for quite a long time absolutely mm. now the nature of the play itself uh, it, the play was uh, first produced in 1983 I think and I mean there have been people who have suggested that it's dated it's a certain kind of theatre which now seems a bit of its time rather than you know 2009 so how did you find the actual nature of the play itself as a, a as a drama it, it, do you think it still has a kind of a place basically in the canon i'm not sure i'm not sure about that um it's peculiar because i think this is the kind of play i probably wouldn't go to if someone described it to me i would probably think it was a little bit pretentious um this sort of imagistic style of theater where uh, facial expressions and gesticulations are as important as words. Um, I know you've 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 said that yourself that it's quite like Samuel Beckett and so forth, and it hasn't really. It's it's now quite old fashioned and anachronistic, um, but I'm actually not sure. I haven't thought about this. To be honest, part of the questioning process. I mean, I think it's like Beckett in the sense of you know it's about a bleak, repetitive world. Mm. Um, but one of the things about Beckett is this extraordinary kind of warmth in his characters and of course humour too and I suppose it, there might be criticism that, that the McIntyre characters are almost mechanical as we hear at the beginning like me mechanised scarecrows I mean if they're mechanical on the stage that might not be very gripping for us as, as an audience now I saw the production I, I was gripped by it I, was, uh, I thought it was very interesting and, and, and the acting all around was very good but that is uh, you know, quite a challenge for uh, obviously an amateur group as well. And, and you took it then on the road. You're you're been part of the amateur drama festival circuit, which is another kind of challenge. Months later, so could you tell us a little bit about that, how that works, and where you had to go, and what what was that what that was like? Yeah, well, there were thirty seven, I think thirty seven groups, all over Ireland competing for various different festivals, and to get to the All Ireland Festival you have to reach a certain number of points and they're awarded for the number of festivals you win or come second in. So we went to six different festivals in different parts of the country. The challenges involved in going to festivals is one that it's with the, uh, with the original run in November, you do five nights in a row in the same venue and it's just you get more and more used to the space. Whereas with the amateur circuit, you have to lift yourself up for a performance that's happening months later and then you have to do it in a hall which is often a very different size it could be longer or narrower or much wider we played in places that were much much bigger than the one we played in in the mill in Dundrum others that were tiny so very often what happened was that our cues were a little bit too slow coming on and off or we'd bump into each other and I know that the first night we played in Rush um, there's a scene with a leapfrog in it at the beginning um, where one of the one of the female actors jumps over, leapfrogs Joe, the farmer. And in a rush, because it was a narrower stage, we were closer together and as well, she she thumped me in the leg and then she went flying down she she fell over Joe. So it was 
the, the audience laughed nervously. Did they think it was part of the performance? Or they I'm really sure they didn't. <laughs> but they laughed nervously and it was just a really uncomfortable moment. Mm. So that's the big challenge of, of going around the circuit. And also on top of that, we had so much stuff to move around because I don't know if you remember that um, the sta- our stage was covered in soil. So yes, there, were, yeah. there were about nine bags of soil being brought to places like Newry. <laughs> They didn't, have so, didn't they have soil in Newry? Can't you use yeah, their special, special soil? soil right? yeah. Special drama soil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the, these bags of soil were being carted all over the country. Yeah. Um, and that's quite a big job. And also reconstructing the stage with galvanised, yeah. sheets of galvanised metal, and then the the, uh, the gate post itself. Exactly. And could you say which place did you go to that was, in a sense, the happiest experience for you? Which best space or best audience? I think the best audience was probably in Rush, actually, the first night. And I don't know why. Um, although I met people afterwards in the bar who were from Monaghan. I think there might have been a lot of people from the country. Because um, we found that the, the audiences in Dublin were muted, generally, in the mill. Muted. Yes, the night, the night I went, they were quite muted, mm. right? Yeah. I think that was the first night as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. So yeah. I think a lot of people were simply baffled by it. But there were other people who were able to recognise in the behaviour of the characters, they were able to recognise typical kind of typical people from small rural areas of the country. People say people who'd lived in rural Ireland in the nineteen forties or fifties, they tended to really get it and really identify with the situation. Mm. But other others not. So we had a lot of people walking out and as well. And then we had people walk out every night. This is presumably because what they were seeing wasn't what they expected rather than that what it was that it was bad because it wasn't bad it was it was very good production so they must have been disconcerted or something is that right i think that was probably it <laughs> we <laughs> hope <laughs> i think so um well you know it's uh it's a bombardment of images without a clear sense of narrative yes um it's a play that doesn't have a clear beginning middle and ending well except that mcguire dies at the end mm. Um, there's no sense of climax or, cl- or or crisis. There's no sense of characters developing. So, understandably, a lot of people, traditional theatre goers would find that very difficult to yeah. deal with. To have to watch an hour and a half where there isn't a sense of, of real change in characters or development. Yes. I mean, when I think about it, it was an extraordinary thing to make a drama out of that poem in a way. It's, it's, uh, anyway, he did. <laughs> yes. And uh, you were very successful in, in some places. And indeed, I won't embarrass you with the mention of awards, but you did very well. You, plural, did very well. And then as a result of that, you got to Athlone, which is the final week. So could you tell us about Athlone? Athlone was the final with, I think, nine groups who got the most points from their festivals, the festivals they, they they participated in around the country. And we went on the Wednesday night, and I think it was the, it was a very appreciative audience. I think it was because there were theatre people, though, and there were people who are in amateur dramatics themselves, so they recognised the amount of work that had been put into it. I think I got that, we really got that sen- sense that they, they thought they'd been there they'd seen the amount of work it takes to develop these kind of plays and to get teamwork and and so forth and in the heat of the hunt we came fourth in athlone which we were happy with yes and um, we were happy with it because well we didn't expect to get to athlone in the first place mm. a lot of us mm. and i think 
it is hard to judge a play like that. I think that's what a lot of the adjudicators said. It's very hard to judge a play that doesn't have a, a clear narrative. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people are kind of performance art, a lot of the adjudicators, rather than a traditional play. Yeah. And having been through that, what well, was really quite a marathon process, which is now complete, would you do it again? Or are you, as your, is your, um, are you sort of thrilled by the excitement of taking on another big part? Or would you, especially in the, the drama festivals? Um, I'm not sure if I would. Um, I really, I, th I found it a, a really liberating experience. Because they're trying to combine yeah, really, it with professional I work as well. It, yeah, that, that's, the, yeah. that's the nub, really, yeah. trying to combine it with professional work. Because as you rightly know, teaching involves energy. Mm. And if you're low on energy as a teacher, it really, really shows itself yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. So you have to really push yourself a lot harder. Mm. While we mention that energy, and we'll just have a, take a little opportunity to, to take a few minutes talking about drama within the school because in the middle of all this uh, you then took on Romeo and Juliet as uh, the junior play in St Columbus last February and With a, your able assistance. A, a very minor assistance stripped down kind of fast version of Romeo and Juliet so you're doing a very different thing there not only are you directing but you're directing children who some of whom may not have acted much so how did you find that as an experience taking on that project quite demanding but very satisfying. Good. That's, that's, that's summarised <laughs> in one line. Yeah. No, uh, demanding in that it was in January, which is a, a difficult month mm. weather-wise and lack of light and so forth. But very satisfying because the participants, the actors, were very were so willing and just full of ability and creativity themselves. So I got the sense that I could ask them to do all kinds of things and they would do them. They were mm. very willing yes. and biddable. Do you think you brought anything that you'd learned in as an actor in that p very particular part? Did you think you brought anything into that, into the process of rehearsing Romeo and Juliet at all? In other words, was there any point at which actually the way you had experiencing as an actor came through as you directed other actors? Or is that, a, is that too hard a question? That's a great question. And I'm just trying to think of an answer first. I, I've no doubt it did. I'm just not able to think at the moment how it did. But I mean, your production was mm. a quite a physical one. I mean, there was a lot of obviously, you know, lots of fighting and so on going on in, in um, uh, Rome and Juliet, and it opened with a big fight and and so on. So in that sense, it was full of energy, which is well, that great. And they kept the energy up for all that time. I, that would be the main thing, I suppose. I, I think the the plays I've been in the past. There's been a lot of concentration on fast movement mm. and momentum. Yes, and you stripped out a lot of language, obviously, to, to get it down to, I think it was an hour, basically, in the end. So you can do that with Romeo and Juliet, probably, which wasn't quite so easy with King Lear, but uh, nevertheless, it worked as a, as a pacey, dramatic, um, uh, dramatic play in every sense. Yeah, I think, I'm, I don't know why, I'm a great fan of sharp movements. And almost caricatured style of movement, um, very big expressions, mm. very big sweeping moves with hands and uh, and and feet and so forth, and people moving in a very direct fashion and speaking in a very direct fashion. I don't know. I'm I just find that good to watch. Yes, it's a bit limited, maybe. 
Well, but, it, um, it has a, a place, doesn't it? You can't do it all the time, and it depends on what not. the nature of the play is, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it might be tricky in one or two plays, but... Uh, I just like bold, I think. I like big, bold colours mm-hmm. and stark visuals. Yeah. Well, that worked in Roman Juliet, too. The colours on stage are different. The, room, the uh, Montagues and Capulets mm-hmm. and, and so on. So uh, that was excellent. So uh, I think we're coming to the end of our interview. And uh, thank you very much, Evan, Evan Jemison, for talking to me about The Great Hunger and uh, that was a Balali Players production and they are a group who base themselves in and around this area basically in Dundrum and you performed first of all at the Mill Theatre in uh, Dundrum so thank you very much and that finishes off this podcast thank you very much